Jim Henson, creator of the Muppets, and George Lucas, creator of Star Wars, take you on a dazzling adventure. <laughs> There's nothing to be afraid of. Turn back, Sarah, before it's too late. He must be stopped. <laughs> PG starts Friday at a specially selected theater near you. Welcome back to the podcast, Old Millennials Remember Movies. I am your host, Angela Yoshiko, here with my co-host, Tyler Wilson. Turn back, Sarah. Oh my God, you have made me wait like three years before we could rewatch The Labyrinth. 115 episodes. Oh my God, I'm so excited. This... I don't even know what to say. I'm so excited that we finally got to watch this. But before we get to talk about it and all the magic that is David Bowie, we have to do our kickoff segment, which is, what have you been watching recently? We watched some stuff. We've been watching some stuff. There's some stuff I, well, yeah. We've watched some stuff together. We'll talk about that. Okay. Uh, we watched The Harder They Fall, which yep. is a new Western, which is on Netflix and it has a deep bench of cast members that are great. Jonathan Majors is the lead. Idris Elba is your bad guy, Z- Zazie Beetz. Zazie, I think you said her name was pronounced Bates, but her name sounds much cooler when you say Beetz. Uh, Regina King, Lakeith Stanfield, uh, our, our, our friend Dion Cole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lots of people in the movie. Delroy Lindo, uh, great cast, right? What did you think of The Harder They Fall? Well, first, uh, when you told me it was a Western, I was like, mm-hmm. I'm a little hesitant to watch Westerns, which I don't know exactly why, because actually most of the Westerns that I've ever watched have been really good. I love Westerns. But and I, then you yeah, told I'm me you. this is like a black Western with like yeah. black actors. All black cast like, for the most part. Interesting. Yeah. So when I watched the trailer, I was like, I'm in. And I will tell you that when the movie first started, the first couple scenes, I was like, oh boy, they are trying way too hard. And it felt like the style was going to try to make up for maybe like a not so great script. So my I started off like being like, ugh, not looking forward to this. But then I felt like it picked up and it started like getting into a groove. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked all the music and the story and the acting. Yeah. Um, there were a few tropes that I felt like it still like fell into, like let's kill a woman and let's kill. Although that's annoying to me, but you know, you can't you can't get free of all of these tropes, I guess. Yeah, and uh, then you and I had this experience of how it was filmed, and you can talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, the number one thing. So I really liked um, what ended up being like the story, and then I think this cast is dynamite and. I feel like the cast is well utilized. Like everybody actually gets a few good moments. Mm-hmm. Like when you have like a a powerhouse, because all these people are just great, right? And when you have them, like, and what's interesting is that they're all playing like characters that are based on real life figures. This is a very this is a fictional story, but the people themselves are like well, real figures in the old west. So um, all of that means like basically all these characters could be the star of their own pretty interesting movie right mm-hmm. but then they're all mixed together and i thought they actually blend really well and everybody had good moments right mm-hmm. um the one thing i really didn't like and you touched on it in the beginning which is just like a hyper stylized thing um and that it, it's everything is so crisp for one mm-hmm. um it's shot what appears to be digitally um but it doesn't it, it with westerns like it kind of matters in terms of believability to kind of make 
things look at least somewhat familiar to what we're used to seeing in a Western, and this almost looks like it, it just it almost looks artificial or plastic um, mm-hmm. because everything is hyper crisp. Like even when you build like an, a a really dynamic set and you have like legitimate costumes and and all this going on, it just doesn't look right. And I was really bothered by that. And then on top of it, just having some editing choices and camera choices where the camera's moving a little bit too much or it's doing something that is very outside of kind of typical Western movements, which, you know, I think is totally fine. I mean, you can definitely approach a movie like this with a, a fluid modern camera, but like the combination of those choices with this hyper crisp look just kind of made it look like uh, pretend almost. Yeah, it took me out of the movie a couple times where I was like, yeah. that looks weird. And you um, don't want to experience that when you're watching a movie. You no. Be like, well, that looks weird because then it just distracts you from the whole thing. The, I make I liken it to kind of when we when you watch um, when Peter Jackson made those Hobbit movies um, after he did Lord of the Rings and he shot in that twenty that extra frame per second business and everything was hyper crisp and it didn't look it didn't match the fantasy world and. You notice that especially when you watch that like at home or if I like I think I mentioned I watched part of one on HBO or whatever and yeah it's just something off about it that um you know that works really well for like when you're watching like a sporting event live but like I don't know like I still want a movie to look like a movie I mm-hmm. guess and this didn't look like a movie yeah and I think when you're I don't know the technology behind it but I think in addition when you're streaming a movie like this if there's any sort of like minor lag then it does this like quick buffer refill i don't know if you noticed that while we're watching but then it looks really weird it's like catching up but then it's like cartoony looking it does that sometimes when you watch anything digitally because we uh but then like the smoothness of this look yeah it was bizarre looking well and i so i will say that about like um another movie i didn't put on your list that we also finally watched was free guy Mm -hmm. with ryan reynolds that was a big hit over the summer um that has this hyper digital look and it that is fine because it's like set in a digital world or yeah. whatever and so like that crispness kind of oddly fits that movie a like, little bit it can look almost animated well and there are <laughs> moments where it does look animated yeah. and and that play that's a strength of the movie because it's like doing all these extravagant things that they can always go back on the fact like well it's okay if this looks a little animated or because it because it, it, it is world. right yeah um now that we're on that subject well anyway i, I really like i mean jonathan majors is a a, a really dynamic talent i want him to in like every movie i love him uh same with ozzy beats and idris elba is always good especially in these kind of imposing roles he's really good he's got such um physicality like he's kind of like he's threatening yeah in the movie big intimidating dude yeah it works really well right um so yeah i i I liked a lot of the movie just the visual style the director was like a video He's like a music musician. Video. He's a, like a music producer and um, is mostly known for that. Um, so I think some of the feature. scenes where it was like heavy music and montage type things were very cool. Yeah, and I like the soundtrack actually. Um, it's, you know, it's definitely modern music. Um, that That's another thing that's, you know, obviously taking it away from a Western motif. It's just like you do too much of that, like, uh, like you know, your editing style, your camera work, your... It just all begins to maybe not feel like a like a especially maybe a part of it is because this is a, a very like a list cast too. Mm-hmm. Like you already lose. There's not a lot of like grizzled no name faces in it, so you're just like you're always aware you're watching a movie. I mm-hmm. guess you know. Yeah. But I mean, it's still I would recommend it. I think a lot of people probably won't even notice honestly because people are so used to watching these Netflix type True. things. So. True. 
Overall, um, I would recommend it as well. Now, on the free guy a little bit, like, I don't know, like, it was okay. I understand that it was like a big hit and everything but was it a big hit yeah it was like the one that was they're like movie theaters are back we can put things back in theaters because people will go and it's like it's an original movie and i was like it's an original movie yes but it's also like clearly when it was a movie made by fox that they clearly were able to add some things after disney bought fox because there are some things that happen in the movie that are very like much like marvel references and stuff like that and it's like whatever um, Ryan Reynolds is really appealing, but like I don't know. For me, it was just like okay. Like just was a little bit like eh. <laughs> it was yeah. fine. Yeah. Uh, yep. I would agree. With but that. I just the, I, maybe my reaction was just like, oh, this is such a hit. People love this movie, and I was like, I could see how like maybe twelve year olds went and saw it. they loved it. But to me, I was just like, I don't know. This is very hyper and yeah. I it's doing it. one thing, and it's doing it's doing that one thing fairly well. It's yeah. just yeah, whatever. I enjoyed it, but I don't think I would, like, go back to it. No. Um, you, you did when we were watching it make several comments about the actress. Oh, Jodie Comer, who is good in it. She, I mean, to the point where it was, like, it took me a while to realize, I knew that she was the person in it, and she's from, like, Killing Eve or something, which I've not seen, but um, she has kind of the, she plays two roles, kind of. I mean, it's the same person, but she's supposed to kind of look very much different but the way she's pretty good in it because she plays the both sides she plays like an avatar version herself very differently which i really appreciated i liked her and and she's also gaining a lot of attention for the last duel Mm -hmm. so she's yeah she's a good good actress i liked her in the movie a lot so yeah there were parts of the movie i liked the ending was kind of like that's where it really kind of got hyper and also i thought the other thing i really didn't like was taika with titi I know, and as I the quote-unquote like villain, him. and I like Taika, Taika Waititi quite a bit um, in his his own movies, and then also when he appears in his own movies. This was just like a wrong. It was it was pitched wrong. Like, or was he directed wrong? Like, like it's a very the over the top too high, and they just need to be like turn the volume down yeah, a little it's, bit. It's too much. I don't necessarily think it's his fault, but it, it's just not a character that's uh, believable or appealing or in any way. It's yeah, just when you're gonna unpleasant. make an eccentric, and he's a villain, but you gotta be careful. I don't know. He's I every time the movie went to him it just grinded to a halt for me, so Yeah. Yeah. You can have eccentric weird characters if they're believable. He was not quite believable. It and was then too much. It speaks to this because you know, we watched Free Guy, um it's been a couple weeks and we've this is the second episode we recorded and we nearly forgot to talk about it again. Like we totally forgot to list it last week. That's on me. And then the this, fact that you totally forgot that Yeah, it just tells something. me that it's a forgettable movie, right? It was okay. I mean, I yep. think a lot of people would probably like think it's fine, but um yep. the Versus other one is a movie we watched last night. Oh yeah, that was good. We watched a 9 days. Um this was a movie that I has been around for a while. I think it was at Sundance even last year. It went to theaters this summer. We didn't see it, and so now it's finally on like VOD for like a 5 buck rental or whatever. And um it's really good. I, it's not for everybody, I would say, but it is kind of this ethereal, sci-fi, kind of spiritual type movie where it's Winston Duke from, like, Us and Black Panther. He is, like, this interviewer. He works in a house, and he interviews people. They come in, and they're all people interviewing to become born, basically. They're souls that are going to be the potential of, of going to have a regular life, but they all appear as adults. And it's a little bit like, um, 
it's hard. It, it takes a little while to kind of figure out what's going on, which I think is a, a good thing. Like, yeah. I, I think it unspools. This was a movie that I was aware of, but never even watched the trailer. I think you watched the trailer when I, I said I was going to watch it. Yeah, but... I did watch the trailer, but it, it didn't give enough away where I was, like, spoiled from enjoying okay. the experience of and, it. And, you know, and the reason I say it might not be for everybody is that I, I think it, it is, like, purposely vague, and it doesn't, like, explain itself too much, which I appreciate because I don't want it explained that much. Yeah. I think it's better just as, like, okay, well, this is the world we're in. This is what's happening. Roll with it or don't. And I just mm-hmm. kind of chose to roll with it. But really good. Winston Duke is great. Um, this is another Zazzy Beats. Zazzy Beats. Uh, Bates. You say Bates. Bates. Sorry. Come on. I Get like her together. name is Beats. Don't it's be cool. rude. She said that's how it said. Say it that way. Fine. She's great <laughs> as one of these interviewees. Um, Tony Hale is pretty funny. He's kind of the comic relief. And um, so is uh, uh, the other guy. Uh, oh yeah, Benedict Wong, mm-hmm. who people know from like Doctor Strange, he's very good in it mm-hmm. too. Um, really good cast all around. I think even the a couple actors. We'll talk about another one of those actors in a minute, but um, some of the other people that I was less familiar with that are kind of these interviewees are also really good. I think one of the best scenes or my favorite scenes is with this woman who goes long in the process because like the premise essentially is that like he's interviewing these people but only one of them is going to be born yeah it took me probably i don't know half hour into the movie before that clicked for me i was like wait only one gets picked i don't know why i didn't it was that there's a there's a really beautiful thing that happens a few different times in the movie where winston duke is is kind of giving these people um a taste of, of a taste essentially is what i'll say and I found all of those scenes to be deeply um, powerful mm-hmm. um, sequences, and so, yeah, I really, I really, really enjoyed this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it fell into the realm of like soul, as far as like life before life and life after life, life yeah, after I, death and stuff. It, the soul is a comp- good comparison story wise, I yeah. would say. Um, it's definitely like a totally different movie tonally, obviously. Oh, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's still has kids the a little same bit. like theme of like if if you could re-experience or if you could have what what's the most important thing about life yeah. is it these big moments or is it these really really tiny small important moments and yeah it's really good it, very, it's very, very it's a good. movie that i think because it's technically like been out forever it's not gonna get any kind of heat beyond where it is but i really like it and it's easy to watch now you can watch it just by renting it on a streaming platform so five bucks yeah. is worth it i think so yeah to all the people who say there's nothing original to watch anymore this is a good original one to go yeah but you know it's it's i mean talk about a if you watched this and free guy in the same night it's like the the, the t- pacing and tone are opposite because free guy is like it just con- it's just constantly moving and loud and this is very subdued and slow mm-hmm. and so if that's not your vibe then you're not gonna get into it yeah, but, but even though it's Slow. I don't think it was slow, it but you like know what I mean. It pulls you in. You're like into it. I'm, I was into it. I was never bored with this movie. I'm known for, you know, liking movies that other people think are slow. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind a movie that's slow if it's not like boring. And this movie, I was like just waiting to see what was going to happen next. And yeah. that's that's a skillful, quiet movie. That's not just like quiet and boring. I know, but like there are people that think like Nomadland is slow and boring and that's like the the one best picture last year and I actually think it was the best movie of last year is like, yeah, it's I guess quote unquote slow in that it's not driving a plot forward in every single moment, but it's something that I like the experience of it. I like to things to unspool that way sometimes. Sometimes things don't work that are that move that move that way. What's different about this movie is that there's a known deadline. 
right? It's like yeah. a countdown. So you There's know a little like, bit of a it's countdown. headed somewhere and you know where it's headed. That's right. Yeah. So that's now, interesting. This is a good transition because one of the other actors in it is who's also an interviewee or a candidate is Bill Skarsgård. And I found him to be in the movie kind of... Uh, he's good in it, but I was also like a little unnerved by him. And then I was like, realized who it was. I was like, oh, well, that's because I finally just watched uh, it chapter two on like Halloween night. Like I, so I saw Halloween or it chapter one when it came out and liked it. It's good. And then I didn't see chapter two in 2019. I bought like a DVD of it super cheap because like, well, I'll watch that eventually because it's got like, you know, it's the second half of the book, but it's like got instead of the kids being the leads, it's like. Uh, James McAvoy and Jessica Chastain and Bill Hader are in the movie. That's like a good cast. So I was excited about that. Um, Wait, did you buy chapter one? Yeah, I got a copy okay, of chapter so one. So you have chapter one and two on DVD? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. A blue, yeah, whatever. But um, yeah, um, but I didn't watch it. And then I, I was like, oh, I'll watch it for Halloween last year. Then I didn't. Then I was like, well, now it's past Halloween. <laughs> so then this year I almost did the same thing again. It was like October 30th. I'm like, oh, should I just watch yeah. it? Chapter almost two? ran out of Did time. I watch it on my DVD? No, because it was on HBO Max. Because <laughs> so I just watched it on it. HBO Max. I bought it. It was like $5. Um, yeah, it's definitely not as good as the first one. Um, Bummer. It, it just labors. It's a lot of... It's two and a half hours, and it is once it gets into this mode of like the the kids who have grown up. There's flashbacks with the kids that are pretty good, mm-hmm. um, but once they the movie is about them all as adults returning back to the town to face off against Pennywise the clown. That's Bill Skarsgård, right? That's why I'm feeling unnerved because I just watched him be a scary clown for two and a half hours. But um, once they kind of reassemble, there's like this hour stretch where it's just like they all go their separate ways around town and they all get ex- they all get like spooked by Pennywise during some kind of like sequence, many of which are like CGI monstery scares that I don't think look very good. Mm. Um, it, it it really tests your patience in terms of like, what are we like? You, this seems urgent. Like, why are you all like going and walking around town for a day? Like, go do what you already know what you're supposed to go do. Just go do the thing. So why are we, like, all separating and having a, I don't know, whatever? And then, yeah, it just, I don't know. It's just so <laughs> relentless. It's just, like, this this scare machine that that never, number one, like, the first scares are very much just, like, this digital, digitally made and therefore don't really have much impact to me. Um, and then it's just, you get numb to it eventually. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't, I don't know. I really, I thought it was disappointing compared to the, the first movie. So I think that's been the general word on it. Maybe that's why it took me so long to watch it. But yeah, you heard. You cast heard. is good. Chastain, McAvoy, I think Bill Hader especially is really good and funny in the movie, even though it's not like a quote unquote comedic role. It kind of is, but um, yeah, I don't know. I was disappointed in it. So. Bummer. But other... Now we own the DVD. Thanks, Tyler. Yeah, but if you ever want to watch both of them, you've never even seen chapter yeah. one. Chapter one's pretty good. Is it? Yeah. It, I think it has. I think it's a little overlong and has a little bit of the same problem of like a relentless jump scares for uh, a little while. Don't like that. But the the kid cast is really good, and you know, I that that's a good story. But yeah. Anyway, um, the other kind of oh, I'll just lump this all together. I, I was trying to watch like uh, other Halloweeny type stuff, and so. HBO had a bunch of these Hammer horror movies, and the Hammer, like, during the 50s and 60s, it was just a small production company that would make these kind of low-budget horror movies, and they kind of, like, did these versions of, like, Frankenstein and Dracula and The Mummy, and they did, like, several sequels, and almost all of them are, they're, like, you know, gothic horror, low-budget, mm-hmm. um, 
they all star Peter Cushing, who's you know known from like Star Wars and and digital Peter Cushing from that Rogue One movie, um, <laughs> and uh, he's always playing like the good guy. You know, he's playing uh, Van Helsing or you know whoever whoever's going against the 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 villain, the monster, and the monsters. Al- I mean, almost always has been played by Christopher Lee, and it's kind of funny. Christopher people know Christopher Lee from like you know Lord of the Rings and stuff yeah. like that, and hundreds of other movies. But what's funny about all of these movies is Peter Cushing is very much the star, and like Christopher Lee, like the monsters are hardly in any of these oh, movies. Man. They're in a little bit. They have like little sequences, but they he rarely speaks. I mean, it's kind of funny to watch these three because I watched like, and the, even the titles are confusing. I think I wrote it down. It's like Curse of Frankenstein, Horror of Dracula, uh, The Mummy. Like these are the first ones of. Well, I could have even had those wrong. Those are the first ones of a run of these movies, right? Um, and they're okay. Like they're all like ninety minutes, so like breeze by it. But I mean, I don't know. They're they're fine. <laughs> but it's funny because it's like Christopher Lee playing Frankenstein, Dracula, and the Mummy, and it's all just basically shades of the same performance. Same with Peter Cushing. I mean, you even though you're watching different horror monsters, they're all very much like the same movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and you could just tell they're all shot in like a. a a house <laughs> like yeah. there's just very few uh there's very few special effects and stuff like that there there's a charm to them they're not they don't hold a candle to like the classic like 30s movies but um i don't know it was something to watch <laughs> oh tyler yeah that's it did you watch anything uh you're watching the various shows i know well here's the thing like all my shows that i like mm-hmm. or at least a handful of them are all back but now it's been like i don't know a year maybe more than a year mm. since i watched so many of these yeah so i started like a uh, lock and key is that one lock that and I key yeah. yeah that's the and second it, season of that right and i even watched the previously on and i was like what the fuck is happening so now i'm like i gotta go at least watch the last like episode right maybe the last two episodes and like i'm not gonna do that so who knows when i'll watch that uh, but one show that I did start that rarely requires any, like, catching up, because it doesn't matter, Ugh. is uh, Legacies, which is, you know, a spinoff of the Vampire Diaries. Oh, so it's like teenage vampire magic oh, show. Oh, boy. You know what that doesn't require me to do, though? Think. Pay attention. Uh-huh. Think. Go back and watch episodes. Like, it doesn't matter. That's true. And it's very, like, uh, enjoyable in that way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not a lot of, like, uh, intellectual labor required. You're watching that, and then I, I started... I, I'm actually, like, on top of a show, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, because I all of a sudden I decided that, like, I miss Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. Now it's back after a few years. But that's a show that, like, I know that, like, if you watch two, you're like, I'm out. Because yeah. it's too cringy for you. I can watch, like, one episode at a time. Yeah. Well, I, it's kind of okay, because I've been watching them week to week. Like, it's only... This is only the third week, but... Um, They're not all out. It's no. Out so you're, you're, it's good that you get a little, like... Because even, like, the first one was, like, 45 minutes. It's like, oh, man, this is too much cringe. Yeah. I don't want to binge. Uh, <laughs> but it's also nice because you just David. get this, uh, yeah, it's a, it's like an old nice warm blanket to have Larry David be very cranky about everything in the world. <laughs> I have heard you laughing out loud as you watch it. So yeah. Must be good. Yep. All right. So that's what we've been watching. Uh, the Harder They Fall, recommend. Yeah. Nine Days, recommend. Yeah. What was the Ryan Reynolds one? Free Guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it chapter two. Nah. Eh. All of Tyler's horror movies. Eh, they're fine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. So now let's talk about it. Labyrinth. Not the labyrinth. 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 Yeah. It's a movie it's that a you movie. love. <laughs> yeah. I do. I still don't really understand, but 
Do you have any memories of watching it? No, I watched it when I, I, the first time I watched it was, we'll talk about what we remember in a minute, but uh, the first time I watched it was with you. What? I didn't see this movie until you made me watch it uh, in college, essentially. Because I was like getting you to watch all these movies that I was like, oh, you have to watch this, you have to watch this, watch this. And the only thing you ever said we had to watch was like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Fried Green Tomatoes, and... Uncle Buck. Uncle well, Uncle Buck I'd seen. Um, had you. Yeah. And Labyrinth was like the other one that you're just like, Labyrinth, David Bowie. And I was just like, yeah, I like David Bowie. I don't know. I didn't watch this movie. How? How, Tyler? I don't know. Just never watched it. Okay. Do we do high stats or what we remember first? Let's do what you remember. Okay. We're already kind of talking about it. All right. Well, what do you remember, Tyler? Well, I wrote uh, Jennifer Connelly and a baby are sent to a big labyrinth and meets a, and they meet a bunch of Muppets, then fights with David Bowie. I don't think I actually saw this until Angela and Sissy we watched it in college. It's a rare Angie movie that she had to show me as opposed to the other way around. See, I just basically said it. There you go. <laughs> now, I would have written a novel, yeah. but I was on my phone and I'm like an old texter, so Texting and we were painful. we were we fired it we were firing it up the kids were watching it we're like we're just like okay, let's there, just go y'all were waiting on me but I was trying not, to text this out on my phone not that you ever difficult. need an excuse not to write what you remember because you never do you're such a jerk anyway <laughs> here's what I did write yeah baby gets stolen by the Goblin King yeah because she you know who you just said what's Jennifer right? Conley is messing around with cantations she shouldn't be okay and then she has to save the baby. David Bowie is uh, strangely attractive. Big crush. Weird. I think he's Weird. into her, too. That's messed We'll up. talk about that. That's messed up. Very problematic. There's but... an eight wide, There's an eyes wide shut scene later in the movie. Yes. <laughs> but I love it. Period. That's what I wrote. Okay. Okay. Well, um, yeah. This is... So when did you first see it? I don't remember. But it had to have been on VHS because I have a memory of seeing it at home. Like a tape Obviously of it. Obviously not in the yeah. theater because this came out when we were like three years old. Yeah, 86 is the year. Yeah, so we had a tape of it or somebody had a tape of it. I distinctly remember like where I'm sitting in the living room mm-hmm. watching it and like I was into David Bowie. I was like, I don't know so what How old is. were you then? I had to probably have been like, I don't know, fifth grade. Okay. Well, I there's a that's interesting. Well, because our six-year-old was watching it (laughs) daughter and at one point during a david bowie scene when she's sitting on the couch she goes and he's like i don't know dancing around she's like i like him and Uh which is odd because he's you know skewed as the villain but i was and we're like oh you like him and she's just like yeah he's cool i was like okay well so maybe kids are just into this like uh well he's got this like androgynous look about him right it's like he's got the makeup he's got kind of the long hair very david bowie he's like dancing around he's just very bizarre there's something very magical and like interesting about him i mean what you're describing is essentially just like the essence of david bowie over the over his musical career too i mean you know it's not this is nothing this is not gonna be anything new but it's to be introducing that to younger kids. Yeah, I didn't know who David Bowie right. was, right? right. When I and was neither 10. does our kids. I mean, yeah. they've heard me play uh, some David Bowie music, but they wouldn't be able to say that's David Bowie or whatever. Yeah, I'd be like, that's Jareth, the Goblin King. Yeah, now they might be able to respond that way. But All right, um, so let's talk about some high stats. It did okay. come out on June 27th, 1986. Okay. Um, it is 101 minutes long. Yep. Roger Ebert would say that that is too long. I would say review. it's I would say it's too long. It had a budget of twenty five million dollars. Yeah, which is a, I mean what? that's a good and it amount. Only 
boxed 12.9. Boxed. Back to you saying boxed. Yeah, boxed. Only, it only boxed half of what it uh, was budgeted for. With a summer release, too. Well, um, well that's terrible. Yeah, that's interesting. $25 million is not cheap for uh, a movie in the 80s like this, either. Um, I will say it's all on the screen. Good God, this thing is full of sets, like real sets, and yep. very elaborate Muppets and animatronics, and it is, uh, yeah, it's quite quite expensive. I mean, it looks like they spent every penny of it, right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, this is interesting. So, you know, it's it's directed by Jim Hansen, the great Jim Hansen, um, of the Muppets fame. Um, you know, this is, you know, he's, you know, long been gone now, and they sold the, the Muppet characters over to Disney, but mm-hmm. this was one of his projects that was not quote-unquote Muppets, but it, you know, it has a lot of those guys. So David Goltz, who still, like, does Gonzo to this day, and like Frank Oz, who's Yoda, you know, people know him as Yoda. Mm-hmm. He's he's in there doing work, and um, yeah, we, we we played George Lucas is involved. He's a producer on it. Um, Elaine May, who's a pretty well known uh, filmmaker, and George Lucas kind of contributed to the script. But then it's also notable. I didn't know this. Terry Jones of like Monty Python fame mm-hmm. kind of did the first pass of this script. Um, he was the the guy who kind of started to develop it. Anyway, so that's kind of a notable uh, thing. Um, just more notes while we're still doing this. Um, in the beginning, you'll see a Where the Wild Things book by uh, Maurice Sendak. Uh-huh. And that's once you see that, I mean, a lot of the character design is very much Where the Wild oh, Things yeah. are. Um, but what's notable is that there was a, a near lawsuit, I guess, over some oh, of this. Like, really? like there was an agreement that was made that got the book in. and Because a lot of this is, there's another book of his that... There seems to be familiar elements. They they're saying it wasn't, but I think as a courtesy, they're saying they're inspired by that book. Sure. They tried to settle that as nicely as possible. So, um, yeah. So, man, now it, it's kind of a nice homage to uh, all that. What are your thoughts? Do you remember the Where the Wild Things Are movie that came out about ten years ago? Yes, I of course I do. Yeah. What did you think about that? I loved that movie. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. It's not one I've revisited in a long time. We yeah. have it somewhere. I would rewatch it again. No, Spike I Jones. It was... Yeah, it's an interesting movie. Anytime they make like a movie based on a children's book, a storybook. Yeah. Because I just read this to our kids, and it's like it takes you five minutes. Yeah. It's, <laughs> so it's, it's tough. <laughs> it, yeah, it's alarming. You're like, oh, how are they gonna do this? But no, I thought. I thought that movie was really good. That movie's a big mood. Like, it's just, it's a very sad movie, which I really, I thought was pretty bold. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway. I was trying to figure out the VHS release dates here. Okay. And it's a little unclear. So it was released on VHS um, in 1987. But then it had a final release yeah. um, in 1999. So I imagine, I might have not seen F- it until 99. No, no that's too no, old. No, no, I was no, younger no. than that. So... It was released, I'm sure. There's a in the 80s and 90s. It's a little bit tricky because a lot of movies they be, they go on VHS to rent. Like mm-hmm. you can go and rent them at the store for four dollars, but like to own at home, oh, not always right. was a thing. Okay. So now I'm sure once the VHS boom, when you know basically those Disney clamshells really had a boom in the early 90s, that's probably when Labyrinth got a wide, mm-hmm. a more wide release. So I'm sure you had it in the early 90s. I'm gonna guess that Probably. it was it became affordable at that point because it's a kids movie, you know. Um, although kind, I mean, yeah, it's uh, yeah. So, Labyrinth. It has five songs in it. I think the number is five. Um, I love David Bowie. Love David Bowie music. Um, I kind of feel like he gave them like some B sides, some leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't love the music in this movie. 
What? <laughs> the, number one, the first song that plays over like the opening credits and then pl- gets played again as Jennifer Connelly's like running across town. The same song twice. Yeah. Not great. Yeah. The only one I kind of like is like that dance baby dance or dance magic dance when he's yeah, like <laughs> singing with the goblins. That one's pretty good. But uh, I agree that David Bowie has much better songs. They're not my These favorite. These are not hits. No. I guess that first one charted for a while, but that's just like maybe the power of Bowie. Yeah. Um, yeah, they just don't, they don't, they're not great, in my opinion. Yeah, what's up with that? And I think maybe part of that was even in college when you showed me this movie, I was like, oh, David Bowie? And it's like a musical? I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I am in, like, I can't believe I've never watched this. I love David Bowie. And then I watch it, and I'm like, well, these aren't the best David Bowie songs in the world. <laughs> yeah. So that's just, that was my initial, like, so then, then I have to settle into what is, um, you know, essentially a very fantasy-oriented one thing after another, one new weird-looking character after another type of thing. And I would say that you are more attuned to liking that than I would. I don't think it's negative. I just think that, like, that's not my... Which bag. specifically do I like better than you? You just you're more like you're more into fantasy type stories and magical realms and things of this nature. Whereas I am just like mm, it's not my favorite thing. Yeah. I would say. That's fair. Right? I yeah, didn't grow up with that kind of stuff. That's as much. why I'm cool. That's why you're cool. Yep. So I liked this movie. I know you do. I know you love it. It's I, got like a, you know, and, and Jim Henson speaks to this, that, you know, it's an homage to like Wizard of Oz and Alice in Wonderland. And yeah. it definitely has that like feel of like, you know, I like it. I like all the weird little encounters she has and the puzzle she has to solve. Um, Roger Ebert's take on it, as far as like what would Roger say is like, uh, you know, it's just like when it, when you're in a film like this, yeah. and there's so much weirdness. There's yeah. no logic to it, so then there's no like. It's just nothing makes sense. So like, what's the point? I don't and know if it's I don't that. Know if I agree with. That. I I don't know if it's that. I think it's just like, it's this one thing after another mentality, which gets tiring. I would say it's a it's a, there's a lot goes on in this, and it's just like a lot goes on individually in scenes because there's always a new character always a new creature always a new challenge so you're getting things like that over and over again and you're just like oh my god i can't even catch my breath oh come on just keep up it's a quest i i thought that i can't keep up it's just like it's a lot it's just a lot going on it's a lot to visually kind of like take in um yeah we have this character let's we could talk about this so basically in the beginning we are introduced to Jennifer Connelly, who mm-hmm. looks essentially the same as she did back then. I mean, I know she has, and maybe she hasn't been in a lot of movies lately, and maybe she has aged, but uh, from my rec- recollection of seeing her in the most recent stuff she'd been in is that she basically looks the same. Yes. Um, she's very, like, fantasy-minded. She's in, like, the park, like, doing, she's re- reading reenacting. She's reading from a book. Yeah, reenacting. The Labyrinth. <laughs> yeah, she's reenacting, like, a fantasy story. And then, like, right when she comes in, I thought our oldest daughter would love it because she's just, like, her parents are home. They want to go out. They want them to uh, want her to babysit the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, well, her dad and her stepmom. Oh, her stepmom. I guess I didn't catch that. Um, yeah, she's got a dead mom. Come on. Keep up. Oh, yeah. There's always a dead parent in these things. Yes, movies. there is. Um, but she's just, like, right off the bat. Like, there's not even, like, it's barely a scene where they're just like, you, come on, you said you were going to babysit her. And, and then... Right off the bat, she's like, "You never, you don't understand me." <laughs> like, yeah, you don't, you never listen to me. And then she storms off. And I swear to God, our daughter Marion has done that 
verbatim to us. And I guess she does it without much uh, prompting either, so it's pretty believable, yeah, right? Yeah, um, definitely. And then this movie does a really weird thing, which is like, she she's frustrated with the baby. The baby's crying. <laughs> the baby, baby just wants to get picked up, right? Mm-hmm. And I will note that um, the baby is, I wrote the name to like to- Toby Hor- I wrote it on your notes. Mm-hmm. I wrote the name down. I you would have guaranteed to guess that it was like a a twins like you'd yeah, have to use twins with babies with twins, like this. Yeah. No, they only list one kid. One kid did the whole uh, thing, and I think the way they did it is that like, well, the kid's always crying, so I guess it doesn't really matter if he's like cooperating on set because Toby Froud. I feel like that name is someone who helped write. I got a look. He's a baby. Yeah. Okay. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, I mean, because he's so upset all the time i guess it's pretty easy to film but also you're just wondering like how many how they're man they're filming this baby a lot of this crying it kind of seems yeah. awkward yeah like well, poor baby especially yeah. the beginning when like jennifer Connelly is refusing to pick him up like i'm not gonna pick you up it's what all this poor baby wants to get picked up right and uh no they're not gonna do it mm-hmm. um but yeah she basically gets frustrated and she wants to basically wish him away right and it's doing this thing where She's starting to say a certain phrase, and we cut to the scene of, like, a bunch of goblins looking at her. But, like, where are they? And how are they seeing her? What is happening here? <laughs> They're like, oh, she almost said it. And they keep cutting to them. I was like, are they, in her, bizarre, are yeah. they in her closet? Do like, where is she? Do they live here? Or do they always live here? Are they, looking through, a, are they looking through an orb? Like, what's going on? I was very confused by all this. Mm-hmm. Because they are just showing... Because when, when David Bowie appears, he has to, like... There's an owl, and he has to, like, come in through a window. So, like, I get him entering... But, like, where are the goblins? Are they just watching this? Are they in the room? What's yeah, going on? Maybe it's like a dim- parallel dimension sort of thing, you know? But she, and I was just, like, she's saying this, and this is from her book? Is that what we're supposed to believe? Like, these things yeah, that she, she was reading? she has a book called The Labyrinth. She's right. reading from it. Mm-hmm. And so if she says it a certain way, uh, the Goblin King is going to come and, like, take the baby away. And that's P.S. what happens. that baby actor yeah. is the son of the film's conceptual designer, Brian Froud. Okay. And puppet builder, Wendy Froud. Okay, so that baby was just, like, on set. They're like, yep. oh, shit. They're like, we need to cast a baby that, that we can pretty much treat like crap. Oh! Well, <laughs> she's one of... Man. That, and that's the thing I'll notice, <laughs> like, so there's scenes, once they actually go to the, the magical realm, this poor baby, like, all the scenes where, uh, I can't imagine, because there's, like, the one song I kind of like by David Bowie is, like, the dance, magic dance, and it's just, like, this scene where he's there... And sometimes he's holding the baby and sometimes not. And yep. sometimes he's just sitting and there's like all these puppeteer, like all these puppets of goblins. Who are kind of creepy. Looking. Dozens of mm-hmm. them. And some shots are like the kids like smiling and other shots the baby looks upset. And you're just like, oh my God. Like, plus you got to imagine there's a lot of other people like working under the, yep. under the sets, managing the, the, the puppets. And mm-hmm. I was just, it was bad. It was incredible to me. And, and then also like, I also thought like, how much did they have to do? There's so much. Um, animatronic and puppetry needing to happen with, with this kid around. They're like a kid that small. They age quick. Like mm-hmm. so, how fast did they have to like get all those scenes done? Essentially, oh, so fast. And I, I probably think that like I mean, David Bowie's also holding this baby a bunch too. Like it's just like he had to hold the. I, I will say that they don't they don't really treat the baby poorly. They well... kind of treat him nice. I mean, they kind of like him. Yeah. They're gonna they want to turn him into a goblin. They do, but they're not like abusive towards the baby he just toss him up in the air a few times yeah in a friendly way well you know there's the thing so i i told this to our kids too i remember when we were this is probably 10 years ago we only had one of our kids maybe two and we went to like some speaking engagement thing that i did not want to be at 
Like I just really it was it was terrible. Mm-hmm. But there was a guy in the back of the room, and he had a, an infant. And our kid was not. I think we only had Marion, and she was like you know at least walking. Um, this kid, this guy was in the back, and he was he would just like chuck this baby. Oh yeah, way up in the air, like there. And it, I would say at least two feet, maybe three feet out of his arms, mm-hmm. and then catch him. I guess quote unquote gently catching him, but I, it was horrifying, and I was just like, I don't think you could, I don't think you should do that with a baby. Mm-hmm. Seems like that's not good. I mean, it was a baby was wrapped, but I don't know. Just that's what it reminded me. I had a little bit of like a PTSD moment uh, watching this movie and remembering Did you, that you're, like, guy. Flashing back and being like, just oh saying, my like, god, he's gonna drop that baby. I don't think that guy should be tossing that baby in the sky like that. No. High. doesn't seem good. That's I think mean. in the movie they're even using like a puppet when he does it, David Bowie. But I'm telling you that like. Yeah, it's a mo- in the movie. It's not a real baby when he throws it up. But I'm telling you, in real life, I saw someone do this, and it was horrifying. So don't do that to your baby. Agreed. In my opinion. Agreed. Um, yeah. So I don't know what else you want to uh, discuss about this movie. What do you mean? <laughs> Should we talk about all the things that are awesome about it? Should we talk about how uh, it's a great movie? <laughs> how David Bowie's really hot? I mean, I don't know how much, um, how much I can repeat myself here. So she gets sent, and basically the 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 premise is is that like, well, I gotta go after the baby. I made a mistake. I shouldn't have said I wanted him to go away. And she's got to get through this giant labyrinth, and she's got thirteen hours, mm-hmm. which to me is a long time. That's a lot of time. Um, and she basically around every turn is something new, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. It looks like it's not going to be um. It looks really vast, but then it's just always like some new creature or some new contraption or Mm -hmm. something around the corner. And I think the thing that you remember, I think the most effective right away is like, you know, when you meet this, what is this, a worm? Yep, little worm. He goes, hello. Hello there. Hello. And uh, tries to give her advice. She's being kind of a kind of a hoe about it. No, she's not. (laughs) A little bit. She's like, uh, you know, she she's being she's very impatient about this whole thing, which I get, right? Like she's just been thrown into this world. Some weird-looking 80s guy jumps in, takes your baby brother, like, you mm-hmm. know, you'd be a little annoyed too. But like she's trying to decide which way to go and um, you know, she's like, "Oh, don't go. Don't go that way." Mm-hmm. And she decides to go the other way. And it's like if she, but if she just waited, if she was less impatient, she would have heard the the little worm go. Uh, if she'd gone that way, she would have led that would have led her straight to the castle. And that's where she wants to go. But see, the worm guy doesn't want to go. Exactly. She the worm didn't know. So then we just meet all these characters. We get Hoggle. Who's Hoggle? Tell me about Hoggle. What do you mean, Hoggle? Tell me about Hoggle. Why are you calling him Hoggle? What's his name? I don't remember all the characters' Jesus names. Jesus Christ. I, I, this is not my my jam, so you're going to have to help me here. Is Hoggle like the one who's like uh, doesn't want to help her, but then keeps helping her, and then David Bowie's always like, hey, you need to poison her? Isn't that Hoggle? Yes. Okay, see? Is that your favorite character? Oh, do I have a favorite character? <laughs> Definitely. It's the dog on the dog character. And he doesn't show up for a while. And, like, I don't love him, but I do love the dog. So later on when they're passing over, like, some poop and fart river, um, there's this dog who has, like, an eye patch. And I thought he looked more like a like a squirrel or a rat of some kind. And it took me a little while to realize that he was supposed to be a dog. Mm-hmm. But anyway, there's a dog, and he rides on the dog, and what's great about this is that, like, for a lot of wide shots where the the little dog character I wrote his name down. Didymus? Yeah. Oh, no. The yeah. dog character. 
Well, that's the dog, the talking dog. I don't what's the, I don't know what the actual dog's name is, but um Ambrosius. Yeah, the dog uh whenever the the puppet version is mm-hmm. not really moving and you need a wide shot, they just like stuck a puppet on top of this real yep. dog yep. and he's just like saddle. bouncing back and forth mm-hmm. and I found that delightful. But then what I found even more delightful was like when they wanted to have a shot where the puppet dog was moving and talking but also wanted the the real dog to do something expressive, that real dog would also be a puppet dog. Oh, so good. And he was adorable. Yep. So then you get this cutting him back and forth between a real dog and a puppet dog, and uh, that was probably my most enjoyable part of the movie, was watching this cute, uh, fluffy dog uh, turn into a Muppet and then turn back and then just go through various It's fantastic. Uh, scenes. It's so cute. Could have watched the rest of the movie just following those, those two characters. Yes! Um... Yeah, it's uh, there's a big uh, character. Hoggle is the guy that's always like he's her, a s- her friend slash betrayer slash friend. Yeah, because David Bowie's always just like you have to, you can't let her go to the thing, you can't help her. Here's a peach, man, you pill it, poison her, mm-hmm. or I'll send you to the. I don't know. He always threatens them. You know what I bet your 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 uh, negative feelings towards the movie come from what? Um, the fact that the script was rewritten like uh, 25 times. Well, I just feel like it, the movie changes every five minutes. Yeah, it turns into something else over yeah, and over again. I think. Th- I mean, I don't disagree with you that it's it's sort of all over the place. Yeah, you can tell that there wasn't like a singular vision from beginning to end. There. Uh, so what I what I was focusing on during this viewing because I I remembered when. We watched, watched it initially. It. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, it's not, I mean, I'm glad you love it. I just, it's not my movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I that initial that sunk in immediately when I started watching this. But if you watch it from the frame of like what they had to do to make this, it's incredible. And you can really just watch it as an appreciation of just like all the all the puppetry work that's going on. Because like Ludo is another character that's like this giant Huge. sloth thing. Mm-hmm. Well, they had to have like a person in there, but then they had to have other people animate the face. And then you've got all this other, like, set design going on, which required all this, you know, construction, but then you have all these other puppets operating around the corner, and it's just, um, it's wild. There are a couple, like, traps where, uh, like, a spike wall is coming at them, and that they have to run away from a spike wall. Well, that's pretty cool, a very classic, like, contraption or threat, right? Yep. But then, like, to see the back end of it, of just seeing, like, these little goblins operating this tiny little thing mm-hmm. behind the mm-hmm. wall. Oh, like a little lever, teeter-totter thing? Really fun. There's a yeah. giant gate um, door that is a, a ant, like, moves and is a, a, a puppet that's moving. Um, when she chooses a gate, we can talk about this confusing-ass shit, where she has to choose between one of the two doors. And one of them's lying, one of them's not telling the truth. One of them's telling the truth, one of them's lying. One is a certain death. The other one is to the castle or whatever. I still don't know which one she chose. Um, <laughs> she chose the right one, but then she made a wrong choice. Right. So then she goes into like that that gropey uh, tube hands. of hands, yeah. which is all just basically people's so hands cool. stuck into the stuck into a, a contraption. And I guess she chose the right door, but then she chose the wrong direction to go yeah. with mm-hmm. the hands. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. she didn't die immediately, which was good. Yeah, instant death. Um, but those are all really good. Um, yeah, if you just watch the movie from this this technical perspective, it's 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 astonishing. I mean, it, it, it's so much work and it's so much things that are so hands on that they you know they don't do that anymore. And it, you just yeah, you can't help but marvel at it. And I, that's what I did this whole time I watched it. Yeah, it like, looks so cool. The, now, that being said, I, I, I don't know if it's all terribly engaging as characters. They all kind of bleed together a little bit. They do a little bit. Let me give you some fun facts, though. Okay. Have you ever seen the 1947 movie The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer with Cary Grant and Shirley Temple? 
I have not. Well, the song Magic Dance refers to a scene in that movie. Oh. Where uh, Grant tells Temple, hey, you remind me of a man. And she asks, what man? Man with the power, Grant replied. What power? Power of the hoodoo. Hoodoo, you do. Do what? Remind me of a man. Wow. And then, obviously, if you know that song. It's a deep pull from that Shirley Temple movie. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. He did not do his own crystal ball juggling stunts. That's disappointing. <laughs> okay, those crystal balls are fascinating. Tell me about them. What do, what do you mean? How he's like moving them in his hands and then they look like, and then he turns them into bubbles and it's very cool. I don't even remember that. <laughs> the crystal ball thing is a constant thing that holds her dreams. Remember, he's like, here's this and it will show you your dreams. It's not ringing a bell. What? <laughs> Oh my god. It's not. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, there's a lot of uh, legends of Hidden Temple, like Olnax, going around here. You know, like they're just talking walls Those and stuff. Those one big statue thing yeah. that we're talking about. Yeah, so, what's going on? There's these guys at a, the gates, and they're like, one of them's telling the truth, and one of them's not. And then she claims to have solved it, but I don't know how she solved it. It was very confusing to me. She says, like, well, I know that you're telling the truth because you would have said. She asked her a question, that's how she determines mm-hmm. how. It happens. Do you She's remember like, what question she asked? No. Did you? She asked, what would he say if I asked him what the correct door is? Oh, okay. So then she used logic, and you just took your LSAT, so you should be able to figure. It's a, it's a, it's an LSAT logic game. Number one, I took that LSAT, like, what is now, five months so ago. So you could make your two columns, and you'd be like, thing one oh, always yeah. tells the truth, always lies, if, then, conditional... That's all she did. She just did it real fast and real She fast. should go to law school. Yeah. <laughs> she needs to give up her acting fantasies. One thing that uh, Jennifer Conley's character does in this movie is, like, if she says, uh, man, this is going to be easy, or this, oh, that's not going to be a problem at all, or oh, I can't wait, this will happen, then something immediately terrible happens immediately right after she says that. Yep. So don't say those things when you're in a fantasy movie, because you'll just get more challenges thrown at you. If she had just been like, this is going to be really hard, and I don't know if I'm going to do this, then she'd just been able to walk up to the game and be like, oh, all right. Um, do you want me to break down the truth lie thing for you? Yeah, do it. Okay, so to solve the puzzle, you have to ask one guard. It doesn't matter which one, which door the other guard would say leads out. I'm reading this from Nerdist.com, just okay. to give credit. Both guards will indicate the same door, which will be the door that doesn't lead out. For purposes of this explainer, we'll call the doors A, the safe door, and B, the, the other door. Okay, so scenario one, the the guard you ask is the one who lies. Mm -hmm. If the guard you ask is the one who lies, then he will lead you astray by telling you falsely that the other guard, the truthful guard, will point you towards the door B. This makes door A the safe one. Scenario two, the guard you ask is the one who tells the truth. If the guard you ask is the one who tells the truth, he will tell you honestly that the other guard, the lying guard, will point you towards the door B. This makes door A the safe bet. So no matter who you ask, they're both going to say the same door. You get it? Nope. <laughs> See, because if you just ask them which door, that won't give you the right answer. But if you ask them what the other guard would say, they'll right. both say the same thing. Okay. I'll study that article later and spend about an hour figuring out what you just said. So you have to walk through the opposite door of what they say. Yeah. But then she fell in a pit right away, so it was very confusing. But she not to her imminent death. Correct. Apparently the hardest scene to film was the one with all the hands. Because there was a lot of people. Yeah, it looks difficult. <laughs> oh, okay. So we have to talk about um, a couple more things. Okay. 
Well, three more things. Number one, there is, uh, so it's impeccable set design. There is one unfortunate sequence that really sticks out poorly, and it's, I, yeah. unfortunately, and then, you know, you read about it, and it's, it, it there's a reason there is that way. Yeah, uh, I did a, not like that scene when I was a kid. I was like, can we just, like, skip this There's scene? a scene where they are in a place, and it's these other, like, fire, it's like the firehead song or whatever. Yep. Um, it, and it's these other creatures, and it is very much a green screen. Like, it doesn't look like a set. And because it's, like, 86, it just doesn't look good at all. And apparently it's because they filmed it on a set with a background. And the background, apparently, when it got on, tra- you know, when they realized on film, is that you could see the puppeteers in the background. Yeah. And so, rather than cut the scene, there was no time to, like, um, you know, redo it, essentially. Rather than cut the scene, they decided, like, well, we'll just do a green screen and we'll keep the song. The problem is that the song's not good either. Yep. And it's just kind of this weird extra scene. The character's not good. They should have just cut that scene. It probably would have shortened the movie perfectly. Yeah. It it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to the movie. And, yeah, it just sticks out, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I never liked that as a kid. I didn't know why. But now... Yeah, I mean, it's very much was a technical issue. So, yeah, it definitely shouldn't be in there. And that's a bummer. But, um, but yeah. The other thing I want to talk about is this uh, eyes wide shut scene because, uh, <laughs> yep. so she gets poison. This is after she gets poisoned, right? Yeah, she eats the poisoned peach from Hoggle, and she ends up at this like ball, and everybody's wearing those masks that those people from my wide shut are wearing. What I will say though is her dress is still gorgeous. Yeah, to this day, twenty twenty one, great. Her nineteen eighty six gown, my ten year old still thought was very beautiful. So then there's this song though, and it's another not like great David Bowie song, and she's dancing with him, and he's like kind of wooing her, I guess, in this sequence. And it, I think it's the combination of, um, uh, you know, it's romantic dancing plus like these eyes wide shut eyes plus the fact that she's supposed to be like fifteen or sixteen. Sixteen. Plus yeah. it's David Bowie as an adult. Plus you know David Bowie. You know you said he's got this androgynous look, which is true, but um, it's like a it's still like this. I mean, there's it's nothing sexual. about David Pooh Bowie yeah. is not sexual. Yeah. I guess there's. Just, I mean, he's got these tight pants. His, yeah, his it's all very right it's yeah. all very sexual, right? And it, you know, so on a, on one hand, I could see how that would be very appealing, but it's also just like weird <laughs> it's very weird in that um we just talked about this with like beetlejuice going after winona Ryder, and uh yeah, it's, a lot of this weird stuff going on it's I bizarre mean, it's probably that scene though that made me have a crush on him right because it sets it up where it's like there's this like tension yes and i would say and i guess from what reading about it a little bit like there was supposed to be more of this like there was supposed to be more of this creepy element or it's supposed to be kind of a darker story right uh-huh. and i think that they did the right thing of like creeping that back a little bit and yeah. scaling it back because it's not it's not a lot and it, it never like it doesn't go overtly crossing the line where he tries to like kiss her or anything like that he's not even necessarily like wooing her romantically he's just kind of wooing her to the world it's like you could live in this world yes and you could be a princess and and stuff i think it's just because it's just because it's david bowie and it's just like well this this guy can't help but like ooze a little bit of like sexuality i mean pants aren't helping no pants aren't helping (laughs) and those eyes wide shut masks aren't helping but uh but yeah it sticks out it's a scene that's definitely there and you're just like huh what's going on in this scene Mm mm-hmm and then I will say the ending with this, uh, you know, this labyrinth kind of leads to like this castle labyrinth where it's kind of like these staircases built on top of each other. And uh, for for 1986, this looks pretty good. Like he, you know, there's a couple scenes where he like walks upside down and flips over to the edge of the other side 
Jennifer Connelly's running around. They correctly, like, you knew it was tough because, like, her her Muppet uh, companions mm-hmm. all, like, well, like, she makes a point of, like, oh, I can't, you can't come, I have to do this part alone. Mm-hmm. And which is, I mean, of course she doesn't, that's stupid. But I think it's because, like, they made the, like, they couldn't get a Muppet, they couldn't get puppets on this this cool little sequence they made. It would have been a lot tougher. So, sure would have been. Um, I think that speaks to kind of, like, the scale of it. And it's kind of a fun... Again, I just kind of was just marveling at, like, yeah, it's pretty cool how they it made this. It's super cool. It's awesome. Yeah, it has a very, uh, you know, it has a good... I, I feel like the movie ends well in terms of, like, providing this climax, I guess. Um, and the baby's crawling around in this area. Um, yeah, I like it. I dig it. I dig the ending of this movie. Um, yeah. So I would say that was, like, more... And it was, like, more of a natural, like... It wasn't just, like, throwing a bunch of creatures at me. Like, I was getting tired of all that, right? Of course you were. It's kind of like... Well, and this is a George Lucas thing, right? Because I think that's what's an issue with, like, um, the prequel Star Wars movies especially. And that's, that's digital, and they're throwing a lot of digital. But a lot of that is just, like... It seems like we're pausing to, like, show us something, like, look at this creature, or mm-hmm. look at this thing. And it's just like, all right, like, if I care about that stuff, and, like... If you care about that stuff, that's great. Like, no more power to you. I'm not, like, judging that. It's just, like, that's the shit that's for, like, the the, the companion book. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll do that with a Wes Anderson. You know, I buy those Wes Anderson books. Yes, you do. Because I like all that shit because I can, like, oh, yeah, look at the th- They put that. And it's, like, totally fine. But, like, for the movie, I just would I, – I don't need to linger on it as long as we do here. It's just so much. So much going on. I but To the point where I can't remember, like, not. it's hard for things to stick out because there's just what? so much no, of it. No, it's not. Oh yeah, name f- three sequences between the worm and the the staircase thing at the end that's oh. like super memorable. Okay. Other than like the creepy. Uh, okay, so we start with the worm. Yeah, and then um, a memorable scene is she's marking the stones with lipstick, and those get turned around. That's Very. like the same scene. It is not the same scene. <laughs> All right. Okay, then we get the the truth lie uh, scene, then yeah. the hands falling scene. Yeah, and, that's and the same scene. And then we get the knocker scene with the the knockers, knockers. right? The, the one who's in his ear and the one that's in his mouth. That's dirty. Knockers. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just okay. remember that now. But yeah, I don't even remember those orbs you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> then you you get the meet the big guy scene, and she has to like, th- and then he's calling rocks, and then she has to throw the rocks. Oh, yeah. Okay. So many things. What? <laughs> There's so and many then, things. And then you have to, you get the underground scene with the spiky thing rolling at them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, that's after the hands thing. I don't remember the exact Exactly. <laughs> I remember all the scenes, though. Okay. Then you get the poop stench where they almost fall into the poop stench thing, but they don't. Uh, but Which, by the way, fall- ho- like there's a, that guy's the dog thing is guarding the bridge. Yeah. And it's a big deal, and he has to fight the sloth thing, but then they decide to become friends a little bit of waste time, frankly. But my favorite part of that is like that hoggle guy's like, mm-hmm. uh, just move. I'm going to go by. He's like, whatever. I don't need my permission. Yep. He just leaves. Yep, he just I, skirts by. I was like, why didn't I just do that? This little thing's not going to stop you. Because he's uh. a cheat. Hoggle's a cheat. He's a cheat, but he is ultimately the hero. So then we have that scene, and then yeah. we have the, the bridge breaking scene, and then they have to call the rocks to be able to cross the thing, and then when they step on the rocks, yeah. they fart, and that's kind of funny. Because the sloth guy can call rocks. Yeah. That's his thing. Yeah. 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 He calls rocks. Well, there's that big scene where they're like fighting off all the goblins in the town, yep. and then a bunch of rocks are rolling through. I yep. don't like that scene either, except for the dog. Yeah. The dog, the dog has a big part of it. He's running around like crazy. That's where you get the, the awesome dog scenes. I mean, I like the dog part, but I could care less about them hiding in the... Nah, whatever. It's just a lot. There's there a lot go. going on. There, I named all the key scenes right off the top of my head. I know, but there's a lot. There's so much going on. It's fantastic. Let things breathe. 
Then you got her, her dancing scene in the ballroom. Yep. That's cool. Yep. 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 Then you got the baby crawling on the stairs. Bam. And then, like, she goes back home, like, beat the Goblin King or whatever. I don't even remember how he beat her. Oh, you her. also have the scene where <laughs> she's in the, her, in the dumpster place, and then her house. Oh, yeah, I don't remember is, that. Her room is not really her room, and then it starts falling down, and she has to crawl out of it because it's a fake room, remember? Yep. And the lady with the the that's covered in all the garbage is trying to convince her oh, geez, to stay. So much, so it's much, so much fabulous. This was Peter Jackson. He would made like five movies out of this one. Uh, all these things. Um, how did how does he beat David Bowie? How does she beat him? You do, by saying the words from the book. You do not have power over me. Oh yeah, that's right. And he like does he shrivel up? No, that's like man, I'm getting this confused with it. Chapter two It's like a same kind of deal. What? They have to like tell him. They have to tell Pennywise you don't have power over me, and he like shrinks. It's the same movie apparently. It's the same movie. <laughs> I'm getting that confused. I'm like now I'm thinking about Pennywise shrinking. Uh... Well, then she goes back to her house, right? Yep. And then like oh she's sad because like the monsters aren't around. I don't you know. But then like she says like wait I do need you, and they all just appear in her house. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. They're having a little dance party. Like is, that, is she imagining that, or are her parents gonna like walk in and find all these like monster creatures dancing? I mean dancing? that is a question because they pan out and you can see like the lights from her bedroom, like dance lights. So what did you think our um, our kids reacted to the movie? I think they all enjoyed it. Uh, none of them just walked off and disappeared, which is telling. It was very similar to when they watched The Dark Crystal when we did that episode. I um, feel like they were more into this one than The Dark Crystal. Than The Dark Crystal. This one's probably better than The Dark I Crystal. Liked, I mean, as a kid, I liked this one much better than The Dark Crystal. Right. They're both all busy, though. Yeah, but this one is like a journey of like a, a real person, which yeah. The Dark Crystal, you know, is not. It's all all. Muppets. Do you like now? Do you like labyrinths and like uh, uh, mazes in general? Yes. You very like going to do it. those things? Yes. Super into it. I I think it can be kind of fun, but then I'm always like of mine, especially in a cornfield, like I can just pop right through this wall. I mean, and that's kind of the fascination, right? Even as a kid, you're like, why don't you just climb up on top of it and then you could see everything? Well, in this movie, it's too tall. Like yeah. she can't get up there. Yeah, but even still, you're still wondering. Like you still with sloth though, she could have gone on top of that giant sloth guy yeah. and probably peeked her head over the edge. Yeah, that's part of the fun. But then that's like, a lot of labor. Like to like go over a wall over and over again would probably be pretty laborious. Um, yeah. I don't know. I remember having one at one point when my childhood. I had one of those marble, oh yeah, labyrinth things. Yep. And that was always really fun, but also just like it piss you off because there's always holes and all, and you have to get started over. Yeah, but it's all like learning the your muscle control over it until you get really good at it. Yeah, that's kind of like this. Hours movie. spent doing that. Yeah. I remember begging for one of those and then getting it and then spending so much time playing it. Yeah, it's. Uh... To, to, to what end? Laborious, just like this movie's a little laborious. <laughs> You're laborious. It's fine. Again, I, I don't... So what did what other things did Roger, Roger just didn't like how long it was? Or what was the issue with him? Sure, let's uh let's take a look at what Roger We're basically Eber wrapping this said. up, aren't we? Yeah, how am I doing? Because I got dinner I gotta go pick up. Oh, I we got know. plenty of time. Oh, great. So he talked about <laughs> the... Uh, uh, plot for a while. Yeah, because, well, it I, takes a I, while. You can tell when he doesn't have, like, a super strong opinion, he'll really go over the plot. Well, that's the thing. Like, I, I've i had the experience where you see, like, a two-star movie or a two-and-a-half-star movie, you're just like, yeah, it's fine. I don't know. <laughs> or a movie that you kind of like is just like, yeah, all right, that's fine. What am I going to write about for ten paragraphs? Yeah, so he says, I have a problem with almost all nightmare movies, he describes it. Um, comparing it to like Alice in Wonderland, we're reminded of Alice in Wonderland. They aren't as suspenseful as they should be because Man. they don't have to follow any logic anything can happen nothing needs to happen nothing is as it seems and the rules keep changing 
Consider, for example, the scene in Labyrinth where Sarah thinks she is waking up from her horrible dream and opens the door of her bedroom. Anything could be outside that door. Yeah, I kind of... Therefore, we're wasting our psychic energy by caring. In a completely arbitrary world, what difference does anything make? Labyrinth is intended as another extension of Henson's Muppetry, in which the creatures he creates are more scary and real than ever. But there's still Muppets, and I think the Muppet idea works better when humans visit the Muppet world, as in the Muppets movie, rather than when Muppets turn up in the human world. Yeah. I was, man, I, I'm like on point with this review. And then he complains about um, the Hoggle character. He's a bit of annoying. He's kind of annoying. <laughs> Although, yeah, he did, I feel like, okay, he's talking, I think it's the Hoggle character who's been given a Muppet head to wear, and he says that, like, the effects aren't very good. Oh, that doesn't bother me. One other problem is the movie's too long. Without a strong plot line to pull us through, all movies like this run the danger of becoming just a series of incidents, which I think you would say. Yeah, you know, that that's a good point, too, about, like, because Alice in Wonderland is not my favorite story either and it's got that same vibe of just yep. like well anything can happen and anything is going to happen and we're going to pause to do this and then we're going to pause to do this and yeah. it's just like all That's right pretty much what he just said he goes sarah does this she does that she's almost killed hair almost trapped there until at last nothing much matters great energy and creativity went into the construction production and direction of this movie but it doesn't have a story that does justice to the production I would agree with that. You can tell this was rewritten. You can tell it's like, let's make this scene and this scene and this scene. So I've convinced you that story. Labyrinth sucks. No, Look at that. Still a great movie. <laughs> I know. From beginning to end. I think end. It, it definitely was one of those movies where it, it does matter when you see it, right? If you're a kid oh, yeah. and you're into this sort of thing, like, and you're, you're this is a world. The fantasy of it. Yeah, I think that that's where it kind of starts to work um, a lot better. Now, that being said, I am like more of a, I've always been this way. I've said that. I think I said it on our Dark Crystal episode. If I'm getting Muppets, I kind of want them to be funny. I kind of yeah. like the human interaction. And this only really has, like, one person ever interacting with one, with multiple Muppets, you know, like Yeah, that. there's I, no, like, but um jokes. Yeah, I'm And you, you I'm like more a jokey a, Muppet. Yeah, I like, I like my Muppets uh, with a comic edge. I like a complex Muppet, Tyler. Well, the... Gonzo is very complex. He's like goofy, goofy. He's dating goofy. a chicken. Goofy, <laughs> j- silly, silly, silly. He's dating a chicken. Explain so, that one. Uh, one thing I will tell you, I know I've said this a lot, that uh-huh. I had a crush on Jareth the Goblin King. I am not alone in that experience. I there think that's a very a whole, common like, thing. generation of young women. Judging by the sheer amount of like hot topic merchandise on it, I'm going to assume that's true. I think the, the, what's interesting about it is that we're the same generation that was raised on like Disney princes. Yeah, this and, is not that. And this that. is so, like the anti-hero, and he's neither good, he's not good or bad. He's well, he's not... never that bad of a villain, really. Uh-uh. That's the thing. Like, it's never like... He toes the line. He so just he... wants to have a baby turn into a goblin. He just wants more goblins. And then yeah. he wants this lady, this girl to stick around for maybe, maybe not great reasons, but not exactly. necessarily. So it's not like I was uh, falling for like the bad guy, but there is a rebelliousness to him. And I think that, you know, she's dealing... Sarah, the character, is dealing with her like coming of age stuff. And I think that there's a... You know, there's a draw to that rebellious stuff. Yeah. I mean, Bad boy. Imagine if it was like some good David Bowie songs in this movie, though. That I would do, be pretty good. I do agree with that. So, But well, as a kid, I didn't know that like David Bowie has better songs. Probably. You know, I yeah. was, I didn't know, personally. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, all right. That's I'm, cool that you like I'm it. I'm going to make fine. you watch it again. It's okay. That you, and again. It's okay to like a movie and that you like it. That's good. It's fine. I, re- I appreciate the artistry. That's that's just, like, apparent. It's so sad that it bombed so bad. 
Well, like I feel bad for them. Like they you saw the TV that. spot we aired. It's not like a great TV spot. They put so much love and care into the the making of this movie, and then there was a period after like Return of the Jedi where it was just like George Lucas wasn't like making movies himself, but it was like everything like George from George Lucas, oh. and it has that vibe of just like all right, but we just like we're good. Like it's not Star Wars, so like yeah. that that was never. I don't think that that was ever like a good. That was a tough selling point for other people. It's like, yeah. I don't care about George Lucas as, like, a fantasy auteur. I care about Star Wars. Yeah. I think that was a problem that kind of arose from that strategy, right? Because, I mean, I know he produced, like, I think The Last Crusade. Like, that Indiana Indiana Jones went deep into, deeper into the 80s. But, you know, that's a whole other thing, though. That's Spielberg, and that's a whole other type of type of movie. So Yeah. I was pulling up The Dark Crystal here so we could, I could compare. So The Dark Crystal came out, what year? 1982. So... So a, year, a few years earlier than five this. year for yeah whatever, and it was had a budget of twenty five but boxed forty one million so yeah. same budget both both made for about twenty five million dollars yeah. yep sad I, I, I like I like Labyrinth better than Dark Crystal I would say Dark Crystal I, I it's too. got a different I mean I appreciated that one but it was like less of a and even getting look. into like the new Dark Crystal like it we watched it. Did we finish it? Uh, you guys watched it. I didn't watch it. 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 It's fine. I do. I need that human element a little bit. It's hard for me to get into Muppet World. I think that's why I liked the Labyrinth. Because there's humans, at least two and humans. And a character I could relate to. And a baby that doesn't age. And a baby. Of the babe. Oh, so the baby. cute. With a little red and white little striped little shirt. He looked hat. a little snotty, though. Like he was sick in a couple scenes. Yeah. A lot of snot rolling out Poor of his thing. nose. Poor thing. That He's probably allergic need twins. to all the fucking Muppet Probably. Bear. I was wondering about, like, what's <laughs> going on with this poor kid. Because, man. Yeah, it makes sense that it was, like, members of the production just threw their own baby out there. Because, like, yep. baby came, like, baby, runny nose baby. You're just like, oh, come on. Like, this baby's sick. You don't want to no. stay here with all these stupid people. Yeah. Come on. Apparently, David Bowie did. David Bowie? Bowie. Bowie did all the baby sounds in the songs himself. Like, they're gurgle sounds, I guess. Yeah, I will say, I don't know. I don't know David Bowie's vibe with kids or how he felt about them, but he seemed, like, comfortable holding that baby. Yeah. So, that's something. I do miss David Bowie. It's sad (sighs) that he died so young. But that's a whole other thing. Anyway. Might have put might have put a damper on this whole episode by reminding people that David Bowie is gone. It was funny though because you were like talking to Mary and tucking her in. We were talking about David Bowie, and you're like, I don't know, he'd be like 85 years old now (laughs) if he was alive. That's just not accurate. Well, I I didn't. (laughs) He died. He was only like 60 when he died. So yeah, Yeah. he was only like 30 in this movie. Not like I mean, by your timeline, he was like real old. Well, because I don't want to think about like how he died young. That's just like that blows my mind. Is all so yeah. Anyway. Well, thanks for letting me watch this and talk about it, Tyler. It's still sure. one of my favorite movies from the 80s. Even it's... though... No, I'm just kidding. Even though what? <laughs> what? What were you going to say? You're such Nothing. a turd. Nothing. I just... It's funny to get you to acknowledge... I, I, what I appreciate is, like, if I have an issue with a, a movie that's, like, one of your favorites, you're like, yeah, I could see that, and, oh, yeah, no, that, that part's not great, blah, 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 but it's great. Whereas compared to me, I'm just like three ninjas. Three ninjas is the best. And you're just like, yeah, but isn't? I'm like, shut up, you're wrong. <laughs> three ninjas is right and good, and you're wrong to not like it. 
So you're much more agreeable <laughs> than in I general. am. In general, yeah. Because I'm just like, don't you don't you dare say something bad about Three Ninjas. Don't yeah. Little Big League is the greatest baseball movie ever made. What's wrong with you? Yeah, I think evidence of the the podcast uh, demonstrates that I cannot convince you of any negative points of things that you cherish from childhood. <laughs> no, I'm like, no, but it's great. What's your problem? No, fuck you. What are you talking like about? It. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> But then again, I have, I mean, it, we, it does come tinged with this fact that I, I do like things that are kind of bad sometimes, though. Like, it's, uh, there's a, some of those movies, like, Three Ninjas is, like, I know is objectively not a good movie, but, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Three Ninjas. So good. Yeah. All right. That's The Labyrinth. That's Great. our episode. Thanks for listening. We'll talk at you another movie. I thought you were going to sing something or something right there. The babe. <laughs> <laughs>